So, uh, how was Disneyland? It was magical. Um, like if, me? If you can, yeah, sure. Uh, if you can get a chance, if you're a Disney fan, you can get a chance, or even if you're not, and you just you haven't been in so long, <clears throat> if you can get a chance to get a ticket and get a reservation and go now, do it, because it'll be the least stressful Disneyland trip you'll ever go on. So, obviously, because they can't have as many people in there, the lines are shorter, but, like, are are the are the rides, like, not taking as many people? Like, do they have to do, like, every other row of seat on, like, Indiana Jones or something? Uh, yeah, kind of, but the thing is, because it's so reduced and it's so big between two mm. parks, like, the longest wait was maybe 30 minutes, but... What ride was that for? Space Mountain? Okay, that sounds about right. Right, 30 like, minutes for Space Mountain's good, dude. God damn. Like, yeah, exactly. That's so the only a ride you can't get a fast pass for unless you go like the second you have to like run there the second the place opens. Exactly. So welcome to this week's edition of Disneyland Podcast. We are your hosts. Oh shit, wrong okay, my bad, wrong podcast. It's Town Tailgate. That's what we're talking about. Hi. We're talking about um Disneyland because the reason why we didn't why the episode is a day late this week is because Julio went to Disneyland on Wednesday night. <laughs> Or on and, Wednesday. And um, you were in the draft was yesterday. And you were in the nation's capital. I was. I was there a day later, so I guess it kind of worked out. Uh, I was supposed to come back Tuesday, but that didn't happen. Good times. Um, did a lot of cool morning runs to the Washington Monuments, which was pretty fun. Um, had a fun trip. Did anybody say trip. on your left at all when you were running? No. Well, Aww. maybe. Maybe. I had my headphones on the entire time. Um, yeah, I should have quoted that in my Instagram post. Now I regret it, but whatever. On your left. We'll move on. Yeah. On to baseball. Got a lot this to talk episode. about today. Yes, we do have a lot to talk about. Um, umpires around the league suck. Um, Matt Olson continues his amazing streak. Mike Fires is back, um, along with a couple other roster moves. Um, and then we're going to talk about an interesting little, um, piece of stat that uh julio has recognized in the past two weeks about um a certain part of our batting order that is uh not living up to the challenge um so we'll get into all that a little bit later but first we had a no hitter julio i'm calling it it's a no hitter no i'm not calling it a no hitter the rules specifically hold on in the rules it specifically says nine innings pitched or more that's literally what it says specifically in the rules. I heard this on the radio the other day. Um, uh, Jeff Passan was talking about it. It specifically says nine or more innings pitched is the equivalent of a no-hitter. So seven innings is not a no-hitter. I'm sorry. I'm not being a hater. I'm just like, that's just what the rules are. So for those of you who missed it, uh, Madison Bumgarner during a doubleheader between the Atlanta Braves and the Arizona Diamondbacks in the second game through a complete game Complete seven game no hitter, um, and it was just a bad day for the Braves overall because I believe they only got like two hits in the first game, so just not great. And now it's just this whole controversy of do we should it be counted? Should it not be counted? Um, Chris, it's I know you're in the boat of it shouldn't be. I'm in the boat of it should be for the sake of this is a really weird rule in general of just the seven hitter like there wasn't a seven hitter because of 
there was a weather delay or because of whatever. This is because like, hey, it was a doubleheader. This is part of the new regulation, rule and regulation that's been implemented in this last year plus. So if you want to count it, go for it. But if you, but if I would say to appease the you people of saying that's bullshit, count, put like an asterisk. Be like, hey, this happened during it only a seven inning game. By rules, it is technically not a no hitter. But at the same time, Madison Bumgarner doesn't deserve this. So why, why don't that's you the just hater put me. it on? Why don't you just put it on his like stat, like career stat line? He threw. He had a game where he had seven innings and didn't allow any hits. Seven, seven, a complete game of seven innings that where he didn't allow any hits. I, I just like can't call it a no hitter. Like that just doesn't. I'm, I'm just not, I'm not down for that cause. Especially like it's, it's like, it's like pitchers with wins. How many, how many innings do you have to pitch against? Five innings or something like that. I want to say yes. five. So you have to complete five innings in order to get the win as a starting pitcher. Like. There's a reason why these very specific wording um, in the rule in the Major League Baseball rule book is worded that way is because they had to think a lot about it. And this has never been an issue for for a hundred plus years, but now it's an issue because of this rule change. I mean, like it, it at it, it's it's really what it is. It's 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 um, the I don't want to say cancel culture because that's not the right wording at all but you get what i'm going with it it's like the social media era of everybody has a voice so someone has to be fired up about something and express their opinion that they don't they're not happy about something that's really what all this is if this happened 10 years 20 years ago it would be like maybe a story for like local um radio in arizona and then for a day and then we'd move on past it and never think about it again to be honest with you i probably will never think about it after this episode <laughs> that'll be it so it's funny that you say if this happened 10, 20 years ago, we wouldn't be thinking about it kind of thing, right? Yeah. Which, you know, maybe we won't. Who knows? But I'm going to – we still talk about the tuck world 20 years later. Obviously, well, that's a whole okay. different – like, that's, that's a different story. Like, that's, that's a different story. Yeah. But it's yeah. like this obscure rule that out of nowhere we're like, this is kind of stupid. Why has this thing even been here in the first place? And then now it's not really – or like this was a thing the whole time where – how many people knew, like before Jeff Basson spoke about it, did you know that a full nine innings had to be completed for a no-hitter? No, I mean, I probably had I had a feeling, but no. Like, this is such a rare thing to happen. I'm kind of in the boat. And it's like the, the and this is kind of a bigger problem with baseball is like the sport is constantly evolving, and there's a lot of people who don't want it to and just holding on to mm -hmm. the little things that could be. Because you said, like, yeah, this wasn't a thing 100 years ago. I'm like, yeah, neither were people of color playing in the leagues. Um, so sure. the, the sports, got, it's changing. It's obviously going to be changing. There's going to be a yeah. lot of stuff, especially with the the MLBPA deal coming up at the end of the year, which we're going to talk about a lot more in a couple more segments. Um, things are going to be changing. And it's like, I think, honestly, this whole big three we have going today is just about the league change or just the game changing. Yeah. And, you know, I actually like a lot of the new rules, to be honest with you. I like the runner on second in um, extra innings. I like, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm blanking on some of them. But I do like a lot of the, uh, the rules. But the seven inning doubleheaders, that one <coughs> kind of is annoying. I forget about it a lot of times. There was a – the A's had – their no-hitter they had a couple weeks ago, I like – during the first game, I forgot, and I was just like, 
like it was like bottom seven and, and they won. I'm like, what? This is over? Like, what What the hell? I thought we had oh, two yeah, teams yeah. left. Yeah. To quote, we you know, because we have to do our, our quota of our weekly Moneyball podcast, our Moneyball reference, adapt or die. Like, yeah, that's it. Also, um, we, we, uh, tangent. This year is going to be the 10th, 10 year anniversary of Moneyball coming out. I feel like we got to do it a is. special pod in September. It is. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We well, mark mark your calendars, folks. All right. Maybe we'll be big enough we can get Jonah Hill on. Psych! Uh, here's Royce Clayton, who played Miguel Tejada. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird that you know who that is. <laughs> Royce Clayton, yeah, because he was a... Uh, he was a former ball player, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, hey, we're not going to get the actual guy who was in there. He used to play baseball as a shortstop, so we're going to get a different shortstop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he has like two lines, so like, I mean, you need to get someone who there are a couple baseball uh, like scenes for him, so you need to get someone who looks somewhat competent. Um, you can't get maybe like we, a Chris Pratt and teach him how to like how to play shortstop. Like that would be difficult. Maybe we could get Chris Pratt. <laughs> oh, you're not a fan of Chris Pratt? Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk. Um, anyway, moving on. Um, uh, this is a story. So why don't you pitch the story? Yeah. I didn't even hear this one. Yeah, this was going around uh, virally. Vi- it's so weird to say that, virally. Uh, but speaking of different rule changes that are happening in an independent league called the Pioneer League, they adapted a new rule where there will not be extra innings. Instead, there's going to be a sudden death home run off. The reason I put this on here, because I saw, because we're both fans of Lebatard, the gang, I saw so many people retweeting this and tagging Stu Gods. <laughs> Was this one of his ideas? This is one of his Well, like this is this this does sound like some Stu God shit. This but, sounds, uh, oh, this sounds dead on Stu God's idea. And and Mike Ryan was probably all over it on top of that too. Yeah, like this is ridiculous and it just sounds so much fun. So pretty much like what this isn't plausible in the in the majors. I think we can agree on that, right? No, there's no fucking way anybody would be cool with this. I would hate this personally. Um, I, I I would be interested to see it in the minors and go watch one, like hoping that like I hope this game goes into goes into overtime so I could watch this. But like not in an actual baseball game. Like fuck no. If my if my team lost to a home runoff, I'd be fucking livid. Now, got to play devil's advocate, right? NHL has had standard overtime, and then what? After two overtimes, they go into shootouts, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why not be like, all right, well, we're going to play up to 13 innings. And then after the 13 innings, if nobody is scoring, then home run off. Well, the difference is that in hockey, it's a point system for the standings. It's not just win and loss record slash win uh, percentage. So in hockey, when you lose in a shootout, so after double overtime in a shootout, you still get one point. So it's like a, you get a, a tie, like the equivalent of like if you guys are EPL fans. In, in EPL, a win is three points. So they do a point system as well. A win is three points, loss is zero, and a tie is one. So you still get a point for that, where... In baseball, that's not the situation. You have to reinvent the entire standing system, which you could do. It's probably a better idea to do a point system. 
but that that's just like a whole different you're you're going down a rabbit hole of a bunch of different changes on top of that and i think but that's kind of what the runner on second base is the like it's a very similar situation where it's kind of like it's forcing runs to be had because we've watched i mean how many like 18 inning uh overtime A's games have we seen where there's no runs for eight for nine extra innings like this like this runner on second kind of like pushes that and now we see runs all the time in extra innings and it's like all right now we got to match it as a home team you have the advantage you have to match it the next inning um a home runoff no fuck that there's no advantage there there like if you're the home team you don't have i don't know i just uh, not i'm not down for that not down for it. i will the one thing that I would think is good out of it. Uh, uh, to be honest, I don't like it. Like I don't want it in the majors. I think yeah. as much of a circus it would be, it would be annoying to be like, that's how your team lost. Like imagine if it was a one, one game and your, your starter through like a complete game, but you still lost because of a home runoff. Like I'd be pissed, mm-hmm. but I think there is probably something we, they should look into in terms of what else they can do in the extra innings because the way modern day baseball is played, you can't be burning out arms playing 18 inning games anymore you can't do that like just how how teams manage bullpens how majority of starters don't go seven innings anymore like you gotta find a way to start protecting arms more and more um so like it's it like i'm a i'm a big proponent of like always throwing ideas and just seeing if shit sticks because it's like yeah this didn't stick but maybe there's something from watching a play that go through that you can start implementing. So maybe of having a, you know, we talked about the 18 inning games, maybe having like a 14 inning cutoff and then doing something from there. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of like, you got to adapt with the game, man. Also, it's weird so, that the U S like American sports are the only organization really in the world that is not okay to tie. Yeah. Besides I mean, the NHL, but look, I can't speak to that because I hate ties. So I, I you're you're preaching to the wrong audience. But yeah, yeah. I, I do hear you. I do hear as a soccer fan, it's just like it's whatever. But I do it drives me crazy when Liverpool ties to like Manchester United on a Saturday morning. It's just like it doesn't really do much for our standings. You know, especially I mean? for someone like you, where it's like you got to get up hell early if you're gonna watch those games. You're like, I just yeah. wasted my time. It's like great. I, I wish I remembered it, but but last week ESPN I listen to ESPN Daily every day, um, and and Pablo Torre had on Jeff Passan, and they were talking about ways in which to like speed up the pace of the game. And Jeff Passan he had heard this idea, so it wasn't his idea, but he had brought it up on the podcast where he said like um, a certain amount of your roster positions should be position players, and then you have to have at minimum like ten pitchers or something like that. Because that will speed up the game in terms of you're not um, you're running out of substitutes after a while, so you're not slowing down the game in that way. You're you're like you know you only have a certain amount of pitchers you can throw out there. I don't know. I don't know how it relates, but I, I just it's interesting how um, it's like it feels like deja vu because it feels like I just heard this conversation last week. Start emphasizing more on two way players. Yeah, I, I mean that'd be tight. Like more Anthony Rizzo's. Hey, Frederick! Yeah. I got you, Frederick. All right, so the last story, the big three. This is a ugh, okay. This is a big one. Um, this is one that had us fired up a couple days ago. So I don't know how um, how much our listeners have been watching around the league, other than just the A's games. But umpiring, it seems like to be 
more controversial in this first month of the league um, than it ever has in in the past. And we're just seeing blown calls after blown calls, like not even just strikes and balls, but everything obvious, like obvious decisions. And they're always they're always um um what's the word I'm looking for uh um opinion calls for lack of a better word. Um, I, I don't know what the phrase is. Uh, it's not just like straight up black and white, like safer out. It's a, it's a lot of, um, uh, human element, um, um, uh, calls, um, that are just being completely fucked up. So if you watch the A's game, um, against the Rays on Tuesday, um, was it Montas pitching? Yes. It was Montas pitching. The A's were up two to one. Um, there was two strikes, correct? It was a two-two two strikes. Count. Two strikes on. Um, it wasn't Meadows. It was someone else. Kier, uh, I think count. it was. Uh, it wasn't uh, Phillips. Someone with long hair. Phillips. Yeah, Phillips. Two strikes on Phillips. Montas throws a ball that's like a good six inches inside the strike zone on the right side of the of the of the zone. Like, a, it was pretty decently a strike, and it's called a ball. Montas is, like, pissed off. So it's 3-2 count. Pitches the next pitch. Phillips just fucking yards it, just hits the shit out of it, out of the yard. Two-run home run, puts the, the Rays up 3-2. to two. Absolutely egregious call. Absolutely egregious. Completely lost us the game. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to end up losing that game. But wait, there's more. We saw what happened Monday where there was a play at the plate, really close call with Elvis Andrews tagging up, um, and umpires ruled him out. They showed the replay on the Jumbotron in Tropicana. Everybody saw, okay, he was safe. Clearly safe. Clearly Clearly safe. safe. John Boy did a fantastic breakdown just saying, like, you can – he's like, the good way to measure it, which I've never really thought about this, the good way to measure close play at the plate with a catcher's, like, glove hitting uh the runner is when you start seeing wrinkles on their shirt on the jersey that's who can tell when the connection's hitting and he's yeah. like he is significantly in before those wrinkles start happening they call them out um thankfully they still won that game but that just shows yeah, you it didn't cost you know, them the game it didn't cost them the game it th- like it did the next day but still but that looks like this is probably, I don't know, you know, there's probably some advanced numbers to it, but there's probably going to be a thing where it's like every other blown call that's going against you, you're going to lose that game. It, that's what it mm-hmm. seems like. But then there's another terrible call that happened this week. This time it didn't happen to the A's. It was during the Brewers-Marlins game. I believe it was Wednesday or Tuesday. I'm sure, hope you may have seen this clip around as well. What happened was there was a little drip. Uh, the Marlins hitter, Kimber, who it was, little dribbler back to the pitcher. Uh, Brewers pitcher picked it up, kind of jogged back to first, and he has an easy out. Underhands it to the first baseman. First baseman tags out. He's out. But like within a good three feet, like he like he tagged yeah. the base like a good three feet before the runner even touched first base. Yeah, like it, nobody was going to be safe on that call. But yeah. what happened was in the process of like slowing down his jog, and he bumped into the runner. And the umpire called it pitcher's interference. So 
I, I, I wouldn't even good call it a bump, Julio. I would call it a lightly grazed. Yeah, just like a graze, like a you're pat, you're walking by someone in a hallway, and it's like, oh, sorry, kind of like thing. the That's loose what... part of his pants, like you know, like he's wearing baggy pants. The loose part of it lightly grazed his foot, his his leg, his calf as he's running by. So yeah, pitcher's interference. Uh, it was pretty much a good analogy for it is like if a PI is called in football and it was like an uncatchable ball. It's like mm-hmm. there was no way this guy, even if at his fastest speed, whoever the runner was, wasn't going to make it to first. But because of pitcher's interference, he got bumped into it, which is pretty funny. I don't know if you saw this clip. Last night's Dodgers game, same thing happened where it was like a little dribbler to the pitcher and it was Trevor Bauer on the mound. And as soon as he tosses the ball up to the uh, Muncie or whoever it was at first, he just completely runs out of the way and then looks over at the umpire and like points at him like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not, because it was the same umpire. Just like, I'm not touching him. Not touching him. Good. He should be trolling those fuckers. Holy Uh, crap. What do we do? Like what, what happens? So I I think, so the immediate um, complaint after the um, Elvis Andrus um, called out at home play play on Monday, the immediate response on, on, um, you know, on social media, on Twitter was, talking about replay review and how replay review is basically a joke in MLB, which is clear as day. It's, I think it's like 3% of challenges, replay challenges get overturned. Like it's, it's just bad. And we've like, there's been more clear, um, clear cut, um, evidence in replay review, um, that obviously should be overturned. Um, like way there's way more clear examples than what we saw on Monday with, with the Andrus play. Um, and they don't even get called. And I could go on a completely separate thing with replay review. It's just like, I don't know who the fuck is in that New York booth. I don't know what they're seeing. I don't know if they like don't have the video access that these networks do. Cause I, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if like, I don't, yeah, I just don't know. I don't know if, like, there's just, like, a bunch of morons in there who are, like, 80 years old who don't know how to use, how to use technology and computers. Like, I don't I don't know what it is. But the fact that they can get that shit wrong that much and be that stubborn to defend the umpires is just a fucking joke. But what pisses me off the most, which kind of got overlooked on Monday and then kind of got, like, brought back full circle the next day when that, when that two-strike... Um, clearly should have been a strikeout um, third strike call got missed was the umpire during that home plate play was standing right there, had a very clear view. There was no one in the area. It was, he was splitting the middle of the ump of the, uh, of the catcher and of Andrus running home. Like he had the best view you could get and he still called it wrong. Like, I don't know if there's like, maybe there's like a MLB, like a, like conspiracy, like just, you know, trying to fuck over the A's as much as possible because they outed the the Astros and kind of put them into just like this whirlwind of bad PR for the past two years. I don't know. That's obviously kind of a joke, but potentially true. I don't know what it is, but that was just egregious. And then the, the Brewers thing, I mean, that's just, I don't know. That's just stubbornness. It's just like maybe he's just trying to prove that that, that he needs these players to show that he's like the fucking man on the on. The, I don't know. It's just it's it's a joke, dude. And and you look at the age, the average age of a lot of these umpires, and they are fucking old. That's the only thing I can think of that that's really relative. To the reason why it's this bad is just stubborn, 
back in my day, like, this is how my way or the highway type of mentality. That's the only thing I can think of. That's literally the only thing. I'm a man. I'm 40 years old. I, yeah, I, um, I, I don't know. The thing is, like, as fans, we don't know enough on what the actual replay process looks like when, when they call mm-hmm. it in. You know, we've seen it with the NBA. And I think the one thing the NBA has done awesome this season is they actually have the refs um, explain, like like in the NFL, they have the refs explain the call when it's out there. They, you know, instead of baseball, they're just like, burp, 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 and that's it. Like mm-hmm. they need to put these guys like to show like, what's your logic? This is why this person's out. Okay, why? Can you put some facts behind it? Because it's like with that Elvis play, like he is obviously safe. Um, I think another thing that could be possible because we don't know what this process looks like is to eliminate any bias. Whenever the calls do get sent to New York or wherever their replay studios, I think it's New York, they need to not know what the call in the field was. Mm-hmm. They need to just go in without bias. Who made that Who made that point on Twitter? That was a brilliant yeah. point. I forgot who that I for, was too. I want to. I want to say it was Jeff Passan, but I don't. I don't think it was Jeff Passan. It was. It was a national writer. I remember seeing that and just being like, "Wow, that's a great idea." Just no bias. Hey, this is the play. What's your yeah. call? You have the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, because another thing I think we need to do better with too is look. I understand Tropicana Field isn't the nicest stadium. Neither is Oakland. Neither is you know. Neither is like Angel Stadium, whatever. But you gotta start equipping better cameras in there. You gotta like and this and next and this kind of goes back to the point I was making at the beginning of the pod. This next MLBPA deal that's coming up, I think a few things you obviously got to focus on is taking care of yourself. But in terms of improve the play, I'm like you gotta be like, yo, we want cameras here, here, and here for umpiring for these replays because time and time again. Even though this is a this is still a new process, it's it's a ten year old if that thing that they're doing probably less. So there's going to be some bumps in the road, but it's like there seems to be no improvement throughout this time. It's okay to have those bumps if we can see there's progress with it. But the fact that I think you, weren't didn't we talk about like the overturn percentage is so minimal right now? It's like it's like egregiously low. Yeah, and it's just showing you like. This isn't how it should be. And the fact that Bob Melvin, who's one of the most mellow dudes and one of the most mellow managers, he got tossed because he was that pissed should show you you're that they're that upset. Yeah. It's like when you have your like if you have a dad that's like pretty fun and mellow and, and when your dad's upset, you're like, oh, now you fucked up. Yeah. So like MLB umpiring dad's upset like you got to clean this shit up. Another thing I noticed, so obviously, like, the, the, the replay booth has the final call, but in every other league, basketball, football, soccer with VAR, the, the referee on the field does have a say in, 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 in like, what, what the final call should be, and they talk through with the replayer booth about, like, what, what they're kind of seeing. Like, in the NBA, they walk over to the, to the, um, to the courtside uh, uh, booth and they pull out the monitor and they're talking with, with the guys, um, you know, in Secaucus or wherever they are um, and discussing how, like what the right call to review is in baseball. They don't do that. They just put on the headphones. They just sit there and they just wait. And it's like, well, maybe we, we can get a little bit of, of, uh, of a 
different point of view if we if we let those guys who are on the field like you know kind of give their 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 two cents and maybe an umpire on a different different part of the field maybe the first place umpire or first base umpire got a view of it a little bit better than the home plate umpire and maybe he can kind of weigh in like no man that was he he was out like there was like you know a good like six inches from between hit the tag and, and him touching the plate like you know that it just it just might be a, a little bit different i i i don't i don't i don't i don't it's it's a joke it's a joke yeah and i'm gonna continue to bitch about it until they fucking change it oh we all then as it should be it's as we should be um that's a nice transition we talked about how they screwed over so let's just talk about the oakland a's now yeah sure so we had some interesting stuff that's happened this past week we're gonna go through these and then we'll talk a little bit about them afterwards if you did not see it yesterday during the Tampa series, uh, Matt Ol- the finale, Matt Olson was out because of a freak injury where he uh, lined a foul ball in the batting cage off of his eye. It doesn't. So they took X-rays. Things came back negative. He's got like a pretty gnarly black eye, but it sounds like he's going to be okay. So thank mm-hmm. God. Tonight uh, we have the season debut of Mister Mike Fires. He's going to be on the mound. Uh, looks like they're going to be rolling with the six-man rotation for a hot minute. They have signed Cam Pedrosian of the formerly of the Los Angeles slash Anaheim slash California Angels as a relief pitcher, uh, signed into a minor league deal. And the last but not least, uh, Adam Kolarik has been optioned to the alternate site. A uh, little interesting. Uh, where where do we go from here? What what's kind of stood out the most to you out of all this stuff? The Kolarik thing's kind of interesting because it looked like he was that, kind of yeah, starting to that, pick it up. That's where I want to start. So he hasn't really had too many appearances in the first place. So I don't, I don't feel like there's a much, enough of a sample size to really like make a decision on him, which I thought was weird. I know he had really one really bad outing on Sunday against the Orioles. Um, I think it was on Sunday against the Orioles. But um, yeah, I was really high on him when they made that trade. So I I don't I don't know I don't know what they're planning to do with that spot. I I, I mean it's gonna go to fires obviously. They're gonna do the six man rotation, which is weird. I get it because they're they have a lot of con- consecutive games and a lot of um, – because they, they have a nice little home stretch for about two weeks, I think. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I I, that, I thought that was odd. Um, the Cam Bedrosian thing, I don't even know who the fuck that guy is. You had to tell me a little bit about him before the before this episode. Maybe we can talk to Joe. Um, John. Uh, John, sorry, a little bit, and maybe he can give us some insight. But um, yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't know enough about him. I can give you a quick little rundown on him. Uh, he was with the Angels for a while, from 2014 to 2020. Uh, he was with the Reds, signed in the minor league deal in this offseason, didn't do too great. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 2018, he had a 3.8 ERA. 2019, he had a 3.23. And then in 2020, he had a 2.45. So he's, here's, I think there is some potential with him. Yeah, and and it, and it has showed that like you know if you're having that kind of VRA in the majors as a reliever, then hell yeah, I think you're you got some stuff. Um, but also he was in Anaheim, and for mm-hmm. it seems like they're starting to get things together now bullpen wise. But for this last four or five years, that's where like you go to die as a reliever. But we also have guys who kind of have earned that spot more, like Dalton Jeffries. You know, who knows when AJ Puck's going to come back? I'd rather see those guys there, especially for their development for the future. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, the the weird, yeah, the th- weird thing. It's a minor league deal, so let's see if anything even comes out of this. Um, yeah, but to kind of finish up with this choleric point, 
Um, when we had Martin on last week, he brought up the point when we were talking about uh, Romo, which is like, look, these these guys are vets. He's a veteran. They're going to give him his time, right? They're going to yeah. give him his time before they make any decisions on what to do next with him. And Adam Kolarik, you know, he's he's only been in, in the major since 2017, but still you got to give this guy, I thought they would have given him a little more leash. Um, it's going to be interesting too. Now that, you know, Cole over has been great this last mm-hmm. month. Now that, and then fires is going to be healthy. I think this seems more of like a, okay, what do we do with these guys now? So I wouldn't be yeah. shocked if like by the end of May, Kolarik's back up and then they're going to figure out what to do with, I know we're not the biggest fans of Guerrera or Guerrera. Can't remember how to pronounce his name. Yeah, um, I hate him. Yeah, but we'll see. It's an interesting move either way. Yeah, but and uh, yeah. I, I, you know, obviously you need to trust everybody in the bullpen, but I feel like we definitely have our core group of like, there's like four guys where you really trust that I'm not really too concerned. You know, Wendelkin and and Petit are really like showing up the middle relief, and I I feel very confident every time they go out there. Um, and then, you know, Trevino and Diekman have been pretty lights out at the end. So it, we'll see, you know, definitely need a, a five to six man, um, reliable, uh, bullpen when you get into the playoffs, but you know, we got some time to figure that out and yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And, and that's the, and honestly, I think that's what makes this team so good is like, yeah. all right, we have Bassett here. I'm looking at the, the rotate the pen real quick. We've got. Bassett, uh, Petit, Trevino, Wendelkin. That's four guys we know we can count on. There's not many teams that can say that. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was looking at Bassett's name. Diekman, uh, Petit, Trevino, Wendelkin. That we're like, all right, we know we're going to get out of them. How many teams can say they have that four relievers that they're like, cool? Yeah, for sure. So it's a luxury. So, like, fuck, if that's why having to kick the tires on somebody like Bedrosian or seeing if fires can work out of the pen or if Puck, like, that's a great benefit to have, and it's something that things can be good in the long run. Yeah. So um, I think we should. Yeah, let's talk about the rotation next. I'm happy to have fires back. I mean, we need some some reliability to to go with those guys. So I mean, like obviously, like Lazardo's really turning around. Um, so that's good. Hopefully, he can keep that going. Bassett has been extremely reliable the past three starts. I know he started off rough the first like two, but you know he's still Chris Bassett and he's Mister Reliable. Um, Shamanaya is having the year of his career. Um, so it'd be nice to get, um, a little more, you know, a little help consistency wise. Cause Montas is still Montas. He's still, he's like, so hit or miss. So like, yeah, it's just, it, it, you know, when, when he starts, you know, like when, when Montas starts, it's nice to know that fires is going to be starting the next day and be like, okay, cool. We have, we give ourselves a shot. If we get a loss today, we get ourselves a shot tomorrow to kind of like, you know, take back the series or something like that. Whereas like Cole Irvin's been great, but you know, he's still Cole Irvin. Like I, I didn't necessarily have that like kind of mindset when he, when he would trot out there the day after. And yeah, the, it, it's starting to seem like to me, well, 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 first off with fires. Yeah. Happy is back because it's like, you know what you're going to get. He's not a super high ceiling guy. He's mm-hmm. not going to go. Oh, he threw no hitter, but he's not, he's not going to be like a, Seven innings, eight innings, guy, one hitter, throwing gas. We know that. But yeah. we also know, like, you know, four, maybe he'll go, like, six innings to give it four runs, which you'll you'll take. It's better than just a complete explosion kind of thing. He's mm. pretty middle, a ground guy. 
But yeah, with, with Montas, he looked really good on Tampa against Tampa on Tuesday night. And then, you know, shit hit the fan with that blown call. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, you want arms. We just talked about that. As many arms as you can, especially in the long season and the postseason. Um, but he's starting to seem like the most expendable of, of the bunch, which is like really weird to say if you kind of consider where we thought he was over these last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's good in like the first three innings, so maybe that's a sign maybe he can be a bullpen guy. I don't know. I mean... I'm not willing to give up on him yet, you know? I don't know. Anyway, Matt Olson, he's been hot. Um, yeah, I mean, he'll be he'll be out a couple games, but he'll be back. Sounds like he just got a black guy. Yeah, it's pretty funny. funny. But uh, I think freak injury, but yeah, and and you know, they he he got pulled yesterday. Luckily, Matt Chapman had a great game and was able to kind of like rally the guys around that and pick up for the slack, but if we lose Matt Olson, man, like that's gonna be. We were talking about this before the game yesterday. That's gonna be brutal because he's just really like he's the one who's driving in all these runs. Like you know, Canna and Lauer are still doing their thing, but they need someone to to bring them home. You know, and and we're gonna get into it after the break. But like the bottom of the order has been atrocious, and you just need that consistency um, from from that 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 four hitter. And I think the great thing about at least the series with Matt Olson, besides getting completely plowed by a former Oakland great Dick Mountain, a.k.a. Rich Hill. Uh, he was doing a lot of the little things. He wasn't, ne- like, I, I think that was Wednesday's game. He got, like, two singles. Uh, he's not necessarily, like, willing. I think that's a big difference between last season and this season, where you can kind of tell he was like, yeah, I'm just going to try to hit, hit it over. Like, he doesn't need to do that, and he's kind of figured that out, so... Hopefully he continues that trend. Hopefully did, he kind of gets back quickly from that black guy. Did you see him uh, when they had that massive shift on him um, on Monday? Him try to lay out a bunt to to, to kind of like to kind of um, uh, show him off or uh, play cheeky, catch him on their on his heels. Uh, I thought that was awesome. And I would like to see him do that more. But but Dallas brought up a good point on the broadcast. He's like. It's very enticing as as a as a lefty hitter, especially um, when you see that shift and there's no one on 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 uh, the left side of the field to just lay down a bunt and just pretty much get that automatic single. But when you're Matt Olson and no ballpark can hold you, like it's it's like which one do I want to take my chances with? And he ma- it makes a good point, but I like how occasionally he if he does that, it'll kind of like you know it, it'll it'll put the defense on their heels and maybe like think twice about doing the uh, the shift. So just some numbers. He's hitting 310 in the last seven games, 321 in the last 15. Um, he's got five home runs in the last 15 games, 13 RBIs, only eight strikeouts. Pretty good. Um, four walks. So he's he's uh, he's very important right now, I would say, um, and especially after that atrocious beginning. Uh, he's on the season. He's 296 with six home runs. If you take out that first couple weeks, like these, that's a MVP caliber season right there. Um, but yeah, he'll be back soon. Um, and you know, uh, Chapman picked up the slack yesterday, which is good to see. I hope that starts a run for him. Cause like we keep, we keep saying we only need one mat to really be like a good ball team. But when we have both we're fucking like lights out, um, to be hot. So, uh, anything, any last A's news before we hit the break? Let's hit this break, man. Let's hit it hard, baby. Hit it hard. Sorry, that was weird. 
Um, all right, so stick around, and then we're going to get into our featured segment, which we're going to be talking about. Um, the bottom of the order hitters, throw some numbers at you, maybe try and talk through what, 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 uh, what could help it out because they're not playing so well. So stick around, and we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Town Tailgate. Uh, aka the Disneyland podcast. Yeah. Um, so, uh, this is, I don't know, Julio, you've been pointing this out more specifically in the past week and a half. And like the more and more I watch it, it's pretty evident. Um, I mean, you could look at the numbers, of the guys that you list in this, um, rundown. It's, it's pretty bad except for maybe one of them, um, which is the guy we keep talking about. Like he needs some help down there. Um, so the name of this segment is going to be called the black hole a little bit in honor of the Raiders fucking up their first round pick last yesterday. <laughs> uh, just kidding. <laughs> um, there's a big issue with this batting order, um, with the seven through nine hitters. Um, we've been saying it all season. Um, you know, Ramon's kind of hit a classic Ramon slump. Um, he still comes up in big moments, but w- the top of the order has been playing really well. They've been keeping us in games. It feels like every time they come up to bat, at least one run scores, knock on wood. Um, and they're, you know, they're putting up runs. Matt Olson's a big part of that. Jed Lowry's a big part of that. And Mark Hanna, of course, is a big part of that. Big part of that, the leader in uh, runs scored in American League. But once it gets down to the bottom of the order, it's just like it's just three and out every time. And it's brutal because, like, let's say the order starts at, like, four through six. No, like, five through six. So, like, Murphy gets on gets like a double and then uh you know like let's say uh machine comes up next strikes out uh kemp comes up next strikes out uh andrews comes up next grounds out and it's just like dude this guy had a leadoff double and we're just stranding him on second like we got it something has to has to change there needs to be some more consistency at the bottom of the order i understand that they're the bottom of the batting order so we shouldn't expect too much out of them but this is like bad and we've got the numbers to prove it. Stat attack. All right. In the last week, the seven through nine hitters in the lineup had 68 combined at bats where they batted 161 with five walks, five walks, 19 strikeouts, two RBIs and three runs scored. Uh, not good at all. Um, who are the main culprits? 161, man. Yeah. That's bad. Who are the main culprits of this, you say? Uh, well, uh, we got Elvis Andrews, who has been um, not good at all to start the season in Oakland. Uh, Matt, or I'll say Matt Kemp. I wish it was Matt Kemp. That would have been cool. Tony Kemp. Uh, Aramis Garcia, when he has been filling in. Uh, Steven Piscotti. But kind of give him the benefit of the doubt because he's uh, just came back from leave. Uh, Seth Brown, who has been playing every day, and then Vishal Machine. Yeah, they're not not good at all. And the the thing is, like, I don't think it's necessarily fair. Just real quick to put Piscotti on this list because he's actually been the only bright spot. And he hasn't been good, but he's been like at least somewhat coherent down there. You know, every yeah, once in a while yeah. he like moves guys up. But it's yeah, it, it is it is not a good look. Uh, Elvis has been, look, I think the thing about with Elvis and Tony Kemp, and we've talked about this a lot, 
is I think they've done a lot of really great things in terms of in terms of a uh, team chemistry and off field and mentorship for a lot of these guys. You know, they're they're veteran players. Elvis is a two time yeah. All Star. He's been to two World Series. Kemp's was a part of the Astros team in seventeen, and um, he's done a lot for the community. But it's like at at, at one point you got to hit higher than 200 in the season. And like, cause we're seeing right now and we've been, they've been tweeting about it. We've a lot of people have been tweeting about it. Like it just shows you how important Chad Pender is, man, because Chad Pender, look, he's not a 300 hitter. He's not a 40 home run guy, but it's like, you know, the, the motto of the episode is, you know, the floor, you know what you're going to get out of Chad Pender He's going to be really tough at bat. He's going to hit at least like, you know, 250, 240 or something, which frankly is better than what this is. But the, yeah. this but this is also like a long-term issue. Like this, I, I, I say Fishmello Machine is not a major leaguer, at least in Oakland. He should not be on this team, period, anymore. I'm surprised to hear you say that because you've been big on Machine for I was. a year and a half. I was. He had some flashes, but like right now – He's he shouldn't be on this team right now. Once Pinders come yeah. back, like if you can get him into the minors, maybe great. Like he should not be in this team. And like Tony Kemp is starting to get there too. With Elvis, yeah, I will. You have to. It's like what Martin said earlier last week. And we said it earlier. He's a veteran. He you'll know what you're going to get. Give him some mm-hmm. time. And I think mm-hmm. with somebody like him, because of his pedigree, because of where he's been, you got to give that to him. But it's like. We're also kind of stuck with him. Like, we don't really yeah. have – I mean, maybe Pinder's a better option, but not defensively. Then yeah. he kind of puts us in a hole. You know, like, it, it, you know, organization, they've made their decision, and they got to stick with it. Yeah. Boy, do we miss Marcus right now. But Elvis is it, and you just got to hope he turns around. And and the thing is, too, Marcus isn't playing much better either. He got to have a nice yeah. little start that first week, but he hasn't been playing that great. And guess what? We're going to see him next week. Yeah. Um, But it's at this point now, it's like – well, besides Pender, what can we do? There's we don't like who's our uh, Nick Allen. They sell the future shorts up. He's not ready. He's not ready to play in the mm-hmm. bigs. Um, I could even tell you who the second baseman in the minors is either. There, there isn't. There yeah. isn't any option. There's no There's option not. of guys who are ready to go and contend now. So like, yeah, I have an idea. And you can't split up the top of the order. You can't put like two of those guys at the bottom no. to try and like get a rhythm because then you're taking away runs at the top of the order. They've been so effective this year. Like that, those one through three hitters, um, yeah. even when they're having poor games, like they're still taking at bats. They're still taking going deep into counts. Like yeah. that's what you got to do. And that's the and that's what the worst part about this is. Mm-hmm. Matt Chapman had a really great quote last week where he was saying he's like, "Look, I know I've been bad, and I'm notorious notoriously a slow starter." But mm-hmm. I know there's things I can do that can at least still be productive, which is like taking longer at bats, taking walks, whatever. Yeah. And that these guys aren't walking. They have five walks in 68 at bats. Like you, at least yeah, if 19 you 19 strikeouts a lot, dude, like you can sleep at night and feel good about it if it's at least saying, okay, well, they're at least getting on base or finding ways to get on base, but they're not. Um, and one yeah. one thing that's bothering me particularly about Andrus is that he'll get a 0-2 count and then he won't protect. He'll watch pitches and he'll strike out looking. And it's like, dude, if it's close, you gotta swing and just hope that you foul it off until you get the pitch you want. Like anything close, you have to swing, and he doesn't. He just watches, hoping that the the umpire is gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. And you can't 
approach hitting that well. Wait, you can't hope that the umpire is going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You watched Mark Canna, and yeah, he looks at strikes in order to get some walks. You could tell that he does that a lot similar to uh, um, Scott Hatterberg's style. But when he has two strikes on him, he's swinging at anything close because he does not want to strike out. Now, my solution would be, because like besides Pinder... Like this is gonna be a problem. Like Pender's gonna be back. He's gonna fit. He's gonna help. But like I think, I don't see someone like Tony Kemp turning it around. And Garcia, like he's gonna be there because he's the backup. Um, and Seth Brown. And that, look, honestly, the, this whole issue is just talking about uh, Andrews Kemp and Machine. If I were the A's, I, close to trade deadline, I'm gonna find any way you can get some depth coming off in the middle and field. Because, like, it is still a major issue. Once you get past Lowry and then when Pinder's back, there's not much else that you can at least... You don't need to be intimidated by these guys, but at least you need to have some production. Um, Yeah. So here's my trade proposal. The A's are going to send Frankie Montas to Colorado for utility shortstop second baseman outfielder Garrett Hampson. I do. Do you think that we? You think that's a, that's us giving up too much? Might be. I I, I don't know what what the value is going to be, but it's kind of there's going to be a surplus of arms now at this point, and there maybe there's somebody else you can get, but like, I think this team's this team's hella good, man. Like I think there's a if they are like one piece away from going over the top of potentially being like a World Series contender for the American League because really nobody's showing otherwise right now besides the Royals, which we called it. Um, but, like, look at all these. If you look at... Oh, Red Sox. Red Sox. Uh, yeah, yeah. But if you look at, you know, the last few years, the World Series contenders or the winners and all that stuff, um, they have depth. Look, like, especially looking at the Rays, where look how many guys they've been able to plug in. Like, who was... Brett Phillips, who was Brett Phillips last year? And then he became a World Series hero. Like, and that confidence to him has like boosted because of that. And now they just have yeah. like so many different bats they can throw in the lineup that, yeah, they're not going to destroy you, but they're going to make you work. I'm Look looking at- up Garrett Hampson's numbers and they're not very impressive for someone who hits in, in course field. Um, sure. But is it better than. Hitting below 200. Machine. Yeah, yeah, better yeah, than your yeah. spare machine. Or this male machine. Yeah, it is, unfortunately. And that's the point. It's like, look, you don't need to have somebody who's going to be a completely game breaker. You need somebody who's going to be consistent, even if it is a low floor. You know what I mean? His OBP is pretty bad. Yeah. Which, and, but bad. also, Colorado is pretty bad. Sure. Yeah. Um, they, but like, Look at, you know, look at the Dodgers formula. You can tell the Dodgers have been in a funk over this last two weeks because it's like Zach McKinstry and and um, I can't remember who the other bench guys are. They're going to come around, but you can tell they miss Jock. You can tell they miss mm-hmm. Kike right now because, yeah, yeah those yeah. guys aren't bought. They're not going to destroy you, but you know what you're going to get. And that, I think that's something that can really push days over the top. If they can get somebody, another person besides Pinder, who you can know what the production is going to be out of. I agree with what you're saying. I agree that they need to get a nice little utility now, Ham- infielder. Yeah, Hampson, that was just an example player. Now, I'm not focused yeah, yeah, yeah. on him, but like somebody like I, him where I you got know what you're going to I got you. 
I got you. I'm I'm just saying I I I agree with the idea. I just don't know about the person. Yeah. Uh they need someone who can be a a solid backup where when you see them in the lineup to give Andrus a day off, you're not like Ugh. Like every time I see Machine in the lineup, I'm just like, "Oh, dude, okay. Really?" Like the, you know, that like that's exactly how I feel. Pinder's supposed to be that guy, but they could use another guy. I agree. Yeah, I mean that's the only that's the only way to solve this. That's literally the only way. Or just to hope that one through five just starts just smack or one through six just starts smacking the shit out of the ball and they can make up for the lack of production from seventh or ninth. That's the only that's there there is no in between. And it, if we want to be a World Series contender, we have to have depth. And right now we thought we had depth, but turns out that we don't. I got a good one for you. Okay. Jonathan Scope. That'd be that. So that's who I was thinking. Yeah, I yeah. would love Jonathan Scope. He's on I don't one know year. what his contract situation is. I don't know uh, if he's one year, four point five million. He'll be a free agent. There you go. That's perfect. That, that'd be a perfect rental right there. Um, yeah, I would love Jonathan Scope. Yeah. Hey Billy, go get Jonathan Scope. <laughs> and Detroit's in last, so there you go. Yeah, and they could use. Well, they're gonna want some young pieces then. The, Frankie Montas is not gonna do it for them. They're gonna want someone else. So, but I mean, we have. You know our our uh, farm system's not great, but we could we do have some guys that we could throw in there. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, that's that. Let's uh, keep an eye on that, Ace fans. Maybe they'll turn around. Uh, Pinder should be back soon, so hopefully he can uh, pick up some slack there. But um, let's move on. All right, let's talk about the upcoming schedule, Julio. This weekend, Friday, aka today, the day we're recording this, back to Baltimore. This time at home. Um, hopefully we can, uh, get revenge for that, uh, non-sweep, um, bullshit win that they got on Sunday. Um, and that'll be nice to kind of like, especially after splitting the series with the Rays, if we could just like stack up some more wins for our standings to cover a little bit more ground from, um, the Mariners. That sounds weird to say. (laughs) Um, in second place. Um, also we're tied for first in the American League with, um, with Boston. So it'd be nice to get some ground on there. Uh, and then next week, Monday through Wednesday, we are playing Toronto. That's a very good team we've talked about on the preview, the ALEs preview. Um, that should be a really good series. That is also at home. Um, keep an eye out for that. That'll be not quite the um, um, uh, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't know. I really I don't, don't know slugf- the word you're looking for. I don't want to say slugfest because not like home runs, but like you know, it's slugfest in terms of like an epic 12 round boxing match like uh it was with the rays but it will be an interesting interesting uh battle yeah man we're, um, we're gonna see a couple old friends marcus first time back in oakland after the deal hope he's gonna get a big reaction also former oakland a's great tanner roark getting he's in, i don't know if he's pitching right now but he's on the team but then also we get to see an old oakland enemy in george springer so um that'll be interesting their rotation Marcus probably gets a standing rotate or standing ovation. Oh, absolutely, right? absolutely. He has yeah. to. He has to, man. Uh, if you didn't know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is here. He's mm-hmm. been awesome to start the year. He, he had so good. He hit a he had a three home run night off of Max Scherzer the other night. Uh, yeah. Bo Bichette's been dope. Yeah, Bo Bichette's been awesome to start the season. And then their rotation's actually playing decent, as pitching decently. Hunter Maria wasn't there, but like Steven Matz, he got rocked the other day, but. Um, He's been having a really Ryu good start this season. Uh, you know, yeah, I think you're right. I think he, he did get hurt. He got taken out of a start last week. Yeah. Yeah, there. This is this is a fun team. 
the rotation is kind of a wash of just a bunch of veterans. Tommy Malone's on the team. I don't know if he's actually on the team, but <laughs> good for Tommy. Dude, the, it's just crazy after all these years, Tommy's still playing. Out of that whole run of p- pitchers with like Jared Parker and like Brett Anderson. Oh, Brett Anderson's still playing, but like Tommy is the guy that's still there. I was going to say, I'm most amazed that Brett Anderson's still p- pitching and he's still pitching like ab- above average, like successfully. Like he's still doing pretty well. That's that's the that's a wild one. Um, also, one more thing, too. If you're in the Bay Area, go to these games, man. T- I saw yeah. on the A subreddit uh, on StubHub, tonight's games tickets were $13. Go. Are they really? Yes. If you're. Dude. And I'll say, uh, Chris and I have, we're, we've both been to, I actually went to my first baseball game this last week after a year and a half, went to a Dodger game. Um, and Chris was at the home opener because, you know, he's got that ball. If you are fearful fearful of COVID, which I completely understand, I that was kind of me holding me back. I'm fully vaccinated now. Um, great experience. A lot of these they've really taken up a lot of these measures across major league stadiums. You're outdoors, you got You're a outdoors. lot of distance between you and the next person. Big gaps of people. Yeah, go. Thirteen dollars. Why not? Yeah. We gotta get back to normal eventually, and that's kind of the first step. Um, all right, let's do our player of the week. Yeah. Who you got, Chris? Or do you want me to go first? I have um, Sean Murphy. He is having a huge... Be- is that yours? Yeah. Okay. No, good, good. Right, I'll, uh, I'll think of I'll somebody. Pick, I'll, pick, I'll pick a different one. I'll, uh, uh, so you could talk about him. Right. Uh, I'll pick uh, Matt Chapman. Big bounce back game there yesterday. Huge home run. Hopefully this is the start of something um, consistent. We need him, especially if Olsen's going to be out for a couple games. We need him badly because he's probably going to be hitting four. Um, and then uh, Murphy will probably stay at five. Um, but, yeah, we need him. Um, so, Matt Chapman. All right. So, Sean Murphy. Here you go. Both sides of the plate. Uh, both sides of the, of, of the field. Yeah, man. He practically won the game for the team on Monday night. Or was that? Yeah, dude. Yeah, he hit. I think. Or was it, or was it Wednesday night? I can't remember. Or it was Monday night. Um, he hit a home run that. They're like, oh, yeah, it would have been out at every single stadium. And, like, his average, he's hit 240 in the last week, which is like, cool, we'll take it, especially in how slow of a start he had been hitting. Two home runs. The strikeout numbers are still a little high, which that's just that's just our team. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, defensively, he freaking slot the sliding yeah. catch that he made? Oh, my God, that was so sick. Bounce off his glove and, like, just swoops it about like six inches from the ground and catches it. Yeah, so he he looks like he's really comfortable. He had the four hole yesterday. He didn't. He wasn't successful, but he had the four hole yesterday with Ollie out. So like it's just showing. I think the team is starting to see it. Bowmel especially is like he's starting to get it. He's starting to click. So hopefully this trend continues. We've had such high expectations for him coming into the season. He can easily be like the best catcher in the American League if he wants to be. And I think and it's just after, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, yeah. I think it's just like you gotta like you know once don't do weird health injuries or rare freak injuries, um, but just like being consistent behind the plate, being consistent like hitting even if it is like a a you know two fifty two sixty. But if you're gonna be hitting bombs like that, we'll take it, man. Um, yeah, it it's uh especially after the amazing rookie season we had. Um, we all know, we all, you know, he's going to be our third best player. 
It was just a matter of when he's going to start showing up, and I think this is the moment when it's going to be like. You put him over Ramon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Wow. I definitely okay. put him over Ramon. Um, Ramon's too inconsistent for me, man. I just, you know, that shit drives me in crazy. He's like one week he's the best player in baseball, and next week he's just like a fucking dud. Yeah, that's got to figure that out. On the defense, you know, he's consistent. Always, he's always great there. Yeah. Um, but Sean Murphy, yeah. If we can go into a, a playoff series with three stars, like that's when you know, like you're a, a heavy hitter. Like, you know, two stars is great, but three stars, like. I'm just thinking about all like the great teams in the past like ten seasons that have won World Series and just like that's that's that was the that's the recipe for it. Like last year, like Dodgers, Muncie, Bellinger, Mookie. Like those guys, those three guys are just gonna fucking See, no, are gonna scare any pitcher on the other side. See, uh, and Seager. I put Seager yeah. over Muncie, but but then also mm-hmm. look at Will Smith, you know. Stud catcher finally came up. Like that's that's the framework. I mean, like a star though, someone you're gonna put on, someone like on the other side of the country, you're gonna see on like posters. You know what I mean? Like MLB like posters. Like it's a little bit different. It's like you know, kind of like the NBA style. Anyway, um, (laughs) let's move on to Central Tailgate of the Week. Yeah, man. Who is your ETT? Before we do go into yeah, Uh, let's run through last week's. Chris, you did a pretty good one. Uh, Jake Diekman, he pitched three innings. He gave up no runs, uh, no hits, three strikeouts. He got a win and a save. And best of all, he lowered his ERA a little bit. So, Chris, pat yourself in the back. He had a, but he, had he a, didn't. He, he didn't, didn't pitch a lot. The, he didn't win the closer job. Um, it looks like Lou's taking that job. Um, but he did good, do well. I was hoping that I picked this pick, hoping that he would win the closer job. But I don't know. I think he he's just an eighth inning guy. Let's like that's just what it is. And Lou's been doing great too. So I'm I'm not upset with it at all. No, not at all. Um, Even though it is funny, and- <laughs> it is funny just watching fantasy ad drops. Where like once a week, it's like, yeah, Ali uh, fans drops Lucio Vino ads. Jake Diekman. Next week, Tolly fans drops Jake Diekman. Well, picks up dude, I I gave up on that. I'm not doing that anymore. So I have Ian Kennedy, and he's been on my bench, and he's been killing it as a closer for uh, Texas. For Texas, he's yeah. got four saves. So I'm just like, fuck it. I'm just gonna leave him in there. Um, I already have Liam Hendricks, best closer in the league. So like those two guys will get will get it for me. Not right now, not well, this season. Okay. Anyway, so anyway, I got those two guys, so I'm I'm good. I'll I'll, I'll be all right. Yeah. And um, then my tailgate Julio, or my yours didn't work out so well. Yeah, Elvis Andrews, who went four for nineteen. He had two ten, one walk, four strikeouts, two runs, scored. Uh, we've already said look, two ten is higher than the one something he's hitting during the season is below the Mendoza line. So I'll, t- I'll, you know, I'll take this as a win. It was, it's not a good win, but it's a win. Yeah, sure. But so, uh, do, do you have the balls to pick him again this week? Oh, this double down. No, uh, I'll go and lead off actually to, to, to me. I like Jesus Lazardo. He's pitching tomorrow in Oakland against Baltimore. Uh, he is, it looks like he's starting to kind of get his groove again. Um, mm-hmm. And I know Sunday he actually pitched, he actually pitched a pretty good game on Sunday in Baltimore, but unfortunately, no John. Yeah, no run support. John Means just completely shut down his offense that day. Uh, I think yeah. this is going to be a revenge game for him. He's got the glasses back on. Uh, Murph is behind the plate now, healthy. I think now we're going to start seeing him hit a stride, and it's going to start tomorrow against Baltimore in Oakland. 
Chris. They, and they didn't they didn't score a run till the ninth inning, right? So like, no, it was, he, that, yeah, it was their horrible. starter their starter really shut us down. Yeah, he yeah even uh, that was a, that was a hell of an outing. I will say I'm not I'm not even up, too upset about it. It wasn't that like the A's hitters didn't show up. It's just that was just one hell of a yeah. Game. And his, his he still had a good game. He won like six innings. He only yeah, gave up three yeah, yeah. runs. He had like eight strikeouts. Like he still had a pretty good game. It's just like you know yeah, A's got shut down. Chris, who you got? Mine, Sean Murphy, because he's going to probably have to hit four or five. I, I would rather have him hit four than Chapman because Chapman needed to see another good outing of his to really trust him at the four hole. Um, so it's uh, in terms of uh, batting order-wise, it's Sean Murphy um, to fill that fill uh, Matt Olson's spot, which is some big shoes to fill lately. Uh, we need to see that power. We need to bring those runs home because we're, we know that – Lowry and Canna are going to do their thing. They're going to get on base, but they need to be brought home. So if Murphy can just hold down the fort for a couple games until Olsen comes back, you know, like that's a good sign. And then when Olsen comes back, that would be a deadly four and five hitting um, lineup. So it's Sean Murphy. I dig it. Yeah, hopefully, you know, not to shoot down your case, hopefully it's not him because Ollie's fine and he's going to be back tomorrow, tonight or tomorrow, but we'll see. I agree, but if – this is like in the case that he's not. It's um, he's gonna be important for that. All right, Julio, that's gonna do it for the town tailgate this week. Do you have any final concerns, thoughts, or, or, I said that wrong. Thoughts, concerns, um, or comments. Comments, questions, or concerns. No, but may the fourth be with you. Oh shit, that's coming up. I get my second shot on the fourth. So I'm going to be sick for Cinco de Mayo. Oh, that sucks. Cinco de Drinko. <laughs> All, right. All right, everybody. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Last but not least, Julio. Let's go, Oakland. Oh, yeah. The Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal, <laughs> and my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly. Social media management and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song, as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please tune in next week. Please subscribe. And last but not least, as we always say, let's go Oakland.